And this is indeed our Have Faith segment. We have with us today the senior pastor of Edwards Church, Michael McSherry. And I want to share with you, if I could, uh, Reverend Michael McSherry, uh, a conversation that Buzz and I were having over uh, an email exchange or text exchange earlier today, having to do with biblical interpretation. Don't, 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 don't turn off the dial. Don't change anything. <laughs> this is actually really super important and interesting. And it had to do with what the Speaker of the House said not so long ago, which is, when I need a policy, when I need to know what I should do, what is the right policy for America, I open the Bible and it tells me. And I shook my head in disbelief, but then I said, you know what, you shouldn't shake your head in disbelief because this person really believes it. And I would like, we would like, your view of biblical interpretation and what it does, the Bible does tell us, or you, or some people, mm-hmm. and what it doesn't. So help May us. May I just, Bill, I'd just like to quote the Speaker of the House. He was asked, how do you make up your mind what position to take on an issue at, at, by a Fox News reporter? And he said, well, this is a quote, go pick up the Bible off your shelf and read it. That's my worldview. I, I remember that... Uh, that story. You reiterated it last week. Yeah. Um, So the speaker is also a lawyer. And um, my question to him about biblical interpretation would be, Mr. Speaker, what does the Constitution say about, you know, pick your topic? And he would say, I think, you know, go read it. But then he knows as a lawyer that constitutional interpretation um, is open to lots of different perspectives, is open to different jurisprudence about how one approaches the text. Um, my, my understanding from what I've read and, and heard in uh, the media is that um, the speaker has an approach to biblical interpretation that um, takes the text on the page more literally um, than I do, and then I think most people influenced by modern biblical scholarship do. Um, and it's, um, it's convenient when the text backs up your position. It's more complicating when you look at the broad text. For instance, let's take the southern border, for instance. I wonder what the speaker does with the language in um, the Hebrew Bible that talks about, remember when you were a stranger in a strange land, you know, and and how we're supposed to treat strangers in our land. There's an assumption that there will always be people crossing borders and that there will always be newcomers in different countries. Inviting people into your home, sharing your bounty. Uh, Yeah. These are all biblical... You know, selling, selling everything that you have, Jesus said, in order to feed the hungry and clothe the naked. Well, here's the part that I find actually most disturbing. There are passages in the Bible that can be used to support almost any position. 
Uh, it was not written by one person at one time. It is not consistent. Um, there are stories that are told and then retold, Genesis, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, there are all sorts of different uh, interpretations that can be given, and the Bible itself is, well, contradictory in, 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 in many ways. That you We've got at least two origin stories for creation. For example. And what I think happens when the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, says, all I need to do is look at the Bible, is he's saying... And what I say is right because God's on my side. And I'm wondering if you see that as, uh, well, inconsistent with uh, uh, teachings of, uh, of the church or somehow is, is not, in fact, consistent with uh, what the Bible uh, writ large is trying to teach about, well, Love and so, accommodation. Yeah, um, this is not the question that you asked, but it's uh, close, and I think you'll see why I'm coming back this way. Okay. Um, we're dealing with a phenomenon in the United States now known as white Christian nationalism. Now, there are people who interpret the Bible in a particular way and who understand U.S. history in a particular way that I consider very dangerous um, and inconsistent with the way I understand the Bible and the way I understand the Constitution. Um, I don't think this country, you know, if you, you can't look at the... the well, we, and, we sh- and we should, I, th- I think, reveal to listeners that Reverend Michael McSherry is also, as well, how to put this, a lawyer. You know, you know the you know the term I use, Bill, right? <laughs> if it's FCC approved, you can share it. I'm a recovering lawyer. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I can't, yeah, I can't walk away from that that uh, education or experience. Um, I don't consider the Bible to be to be um, the literal word of God that I can open up and get a, a ready-made answer to most questions about. I consider it um, scripture in the sense that it is a book or a collection of books, if you will, uh, written by people of faith, people who overwhelmingly believe that there is a God, um, and taking what we call the Bible, you know, um, the, the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament and the New Testament put together, that collection of books, is a collection of books written by people in an effort to share with others their experience of the holy, the holy the way it touched them and their lives so profoundly that they wanted to share it with others. They wanted to create a tradition that they could hand on. Um, I doubt that uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, could envision that what they wrote was going to end up in a compendium, right? They wrote what they wrote to share their experience of the divine, which was mediated by Jesus Christ, with other people that they thought might be interested. And somebody else came along a couple hundred years later and slapped it all together. And do you think that the writers of the Bible, uh, Matthew, John, Luke, um, that those words that they wrote were theirs or that they were divinely inspired somehow when they wrote them? So divinely inspired is a charged term. Some, uh, some folks, I think, have a view that 
the words in the Bible were dictated by God to someone. And these were just the scribes. And they were just the scribes. I don't agree with that understanding. I think ordinary people who um, were moved in a particular way, and I'll even say by moved by their experience of God, to share that with others, sat down and wrote about it. I was really struck, uh, Reverend Michael McSherry, during the Super Bowl, there was a commercial. And that commer- at the same time that Speaker Johnson is uh, uh, refusing to even entertain an immigration bill and, and, and everything, as you point out, about the border, uh, there was a commercial in which a pro-abortion, a, a person going to get an abortion uh, was having feet washed by a pro-life person, a gay man, I think, by an anti-gay. There, there were people who were on opposite sides of these ferocious debates that we see in society, washing the feet of each other, which I assumed was a, a reference to Jesus is washing the feet of people. Um, at the same time, I remember I was bar mitzvahed, and there's a sequence to what you read in the in Haftorah, and it was a reference to stoning a harlot from the Bible that I was, and so I'm struck by exactly what you and Bill were just talking about, the different interpretations you can get by these parables that the Bible contains. And Speaker Johnson, how do you, why are you not washing people's feet, Speaker Johnson? Which is a great question. Maybe we could... We're going to get him on the phone. So we'd like to go <laughs> in and call his <laughs> office and say, Speaker, we want to know, why, why, why aren't you? washing people's feet? Um, those commercials, that, that is a whole other tangent um, that I'm actually not well prepared to go down because I haven't read up on that organization. But um, but there are, it's, it's interesting to me that there is a national uh, advertising campaign which has as its slogan, Jesus, he gets us. And I think that that's pretty interesting and actually very effective as uh, as as a slogan and as an ad. These these are powerful commercials. They are. They are. And um, <clears throat> I, I I was very grateful to the public education system that my children came up through because one aspect of the social studies uh, curriculum in middle school and early high school alerted them to deconstruct marketing to understand the objective of the person who's trying to um, get you on board with a particular point of view because very often when you're being sold you're not being told what it is they ultimately want to get you to do you see an ad on tv you generally understand they're trying to get me to buy this mattress i want to know what is the underlying theology of the person paying for the ad because it, it might be, once you get a little bit deeper than the surface message, which is lovely, or can be, um, who are they? What are they trying to get me to do? The surface message was Jesus didn't teach hate. Right. Jesus was serving all of us. He washed our feet. He gets us. And I'm totally on board with that, as far as that goes. Um, but you're questioning the motivation behind it. Well, I think other people have, and I just want to share with you this morning that you know that might bear some looking into. We are speaking with Reverend Michael McSherry. He is the senior pastor of the Edwards Church. We'll continue this conversation more on Jesus Gets Us or Not 
and the Bible and interpretation right after this. The country I come from is called the Midwest. I started and brought up there the laws to abide. And that the land that I live in has got on its side. More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on... You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We continue our conversation with Reverend Michael McSherry, senior pastor at the Edwards Church here in Northampton. Uh, while we were off air, I asked Reverend Michael McSherry if he would be willing to share with us what he is working on for his sermon for this Sunday, and he was kind enough to say yes, sort of. So tell us, uh, tell us what you are working on, what the topic is going to be, and why. It's uh, the the text is um, toward the end of the uh, Noah and the flood story, and. Um, it's also the first Sunday of Lent in the liturgical year of the Christian tradition. So um, we as a community are you know, entering into a process of preparing for Easter season. Um, and preparing for Easter season is a, you know, a sustained period of reflection about how I am or am not living up to, living into um, the way of life that followers of Jesus and let, let me ask you for a brief detour, yeah. if I might, uh, yeah. Reverend McSherry. Is Lent about deprivation, about self-deprivation? Some people who who um, observe Lent do think it's about, you know, do have practices of um, uh, giving things up. You know? um, members of my family who are observant Roman Catholics will not eat meat, um, or at least not eat meat on Fridays. Um People who enjoy wine with dinner will cease, you know, all alcohol consumption. People give up chocolate, things like that. The the deeper point is one of asking oneself what habits of um, thought or habits of speech or what habits do I have that interfere f- with having a closer walk, if you will, in the way that uh, God would have me live. So. Let's go back to your sermon. So the sermon, um, the sermon starts with the story of Noah um, emerging from the ark and God giving Noah and all of creation this promise that God sees what God has done and goes, uh, this is fun, holy mackerel, <laughs> <laughs> look, at, look at the death and destruction um, that has been wrought here. I promise to never do that again. Okay, so the, 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 I, even, well, I'm not sure about this, but even the Speaker of the House might say that didn't happen, or maybe he thinks it did happen, actually physically happened, but I assume you're going to tell us you think it is a metaphor of some sort, an analogy, a, a story. It's, uh, telling us, it's telling us something about um, the ancient people's understanding of God. They needed a way to explain floods, huge floods that happened. There are stories of floods and widespread destruction in cultures around the world. People needed a way to understand why do bad things happen? Why do they happen to us? Are they going to keep happening? And in the, in the Noah story, 
God says, by the way, God caused the flood in the understanding of Genesis because human beings were getting out of control in their evil ways. And so God said, ugh, enough of this. I'm going to have a do-over. I'm going you know, to get rid of them all. Except Noah seems to be a good guy. Noah, build an ark and take yourself, your family, your extended family, and enough animals to start over. And you go, you, go, uh, you sit in that ark, and when this flood happens, uh, I'll, I'll give you later instructions. It's kind of a terrible story in a lot of ways. It's, it's kind of a prescient story. Well, but, you know, there's right that. Now, yeah. I mean, it, let's preserve the economy and the people and the creatures that live on on the planet. And 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 now we have these um, seed vaults, right, in the Nordic countries, where seeds of different plants from all over the planet are being stored and saved for when scientists anticipate we will be regreening after the uh, after the uh, you know. Predicted effects of global warming recede. So what do you tell your congregation the take-home lesson is from Noah and the Ark? The take-home lesson I'm working on is... I mean, you only have to solve this between now and Sunday, right? (laughs) (laughs) Solve it is an interesting interesting choice of words. Um, So there's a model of God in which we understand God as the sum of all perfections, and there's an understanding of God in which... um, God doesn't expect us to be perfect, only to keep working on improving. Um, God doesn't hold us to an unreasonable or unrealistic standard, and we shouldn't hold each other to an unreasonable or unrealistic standard, other than doing our best to overcome whatever it is we need to overcome to be good to each other and good for each other. You know, I consider myself an agnostic, um, that's those are words I really can live by. That's a comforting message because we do the best that we can, but never stop trying. It's a kumbaya moment here. You guys are <laughs> so, making so. Me do cry. you know? Um, <laughs> I'm do, sorry. <laughs> so so someday we'll talk about the history of kumbaya in the um, in the civil rights movement. I would love to do that. As would I. Reverend Michael McSherry, Senior Pastor of the Edwards Church, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate your insights and your sense of community. Thank you. Always good to be here.